We don't say, and we are not sure that all catalysts can stop from burning out. But the question is, how can we minimize the amplitude and the frequency so that, and we won't often make those changes in our lifestyle that we need to make until we connect it with, and this is a terrible part because we should do it for ourselves, a burnt out catalyst creates no change at all. Do you want to learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and grow your business from successful entrepreneurs, startups, and CEOs without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresham Harkness values your time and is ready to share with you precisely the information you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO podcast, and I appreciate you listening to this episode. If you've been listening this year, you know that we hit 1,600 episodes at the beginning of this year, and we're doing something a little bit different where we're repurposing our favorite episodes around certain categories, topics, or as I like to call them, business pillars that we think are going to be extremely impactful for CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners or what I like to call CB Nation architects who are looking to level up their organizations. This month, we are focused on innovation, disruption, women entrepreneurship, DEI, gig economy, remote economy, even the cannabis industry. Think about these industries and these disruptive technologies that really sometimes aren't as disruptive, but there's people that are just paying attention to what the market needs and they're providing that. So really think about the things that are quote unquote outside of the norm, but really help entrepreneurship to grow and fully develop. I think it's an extremely exciting time when you're talking about any type of innovation or disruption, because I think that there's so many opportunities and needs that aren't felt that are starting to be filled by different groups, different organizations, or even different industries. So what I want you to do is sit back and enjoy this special episode of the I Am CEO podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gretch from the I Am CEO podcast. I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Shannon Lucas of Catalyst Constellation. Shannon, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Gresh. Happy to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you on and super excited about all the awesome work that you're doing. And before we jumped into that, I wanted to read a little bit more about Shannon so you could hear some of those awesome things. And Shannon, co-founder and co-CEO of Catalyst Constellations, has over 20 years experience working with startups, launching her own ventures and driving innovation into the world's largest companies. Shannon is a best-selling author, Move Fast, Break Shit, Burnout, The Catalyst Guide to Working Well. She is a passionate thought leader in creating sustainable organizations in every sense of the word for people, planet, and profit. In her previous roles as EVP of Emerging Business at Ericsson, Senior Innovation Architect at Cisco's Hyper Innovation Living Lab, and Director of Innovation at Bondafone Global Enterprise, Shannon empowered Fortune 500 businesses to stay agile, competitive, and sustainable through the adoption of new technologies and organizational structures. Shannon, super excited to have you on the show and all the awesome work that you're doing. Are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? I'm absolutely ready. Thanks. Awesome, awesome. Awesome. I know I touched on it a little bit when I read your bio. So to kick everything off, I wanted to rewind the clock, hear a little bit more on how you got started, what I call your CEO story. I think the origin story. So first of all, I identify as being a catalyst. And those are the people that we are dedicated to supporting around the world, building a global movement, in fact, to support catalysts like yourself, Crash. Mm-hmm. But the origin story about that work and how I came to be a CEO uh, started when I was at Vodafone. And so The story there was I got the amazing opportunity to help build a global innovation program out from scratch. 
And we started with eight sort of ragtag positive troublemakers around the world. We're like, yeah, these are our people. And we knew we didn't want to create a, a sort of ivory tower of innovation. So we very intentionally started by identifying people who are meshed in the business in, in sort of four continents. If you fast forward over the course of four years, uh, we grew this sort of CEO sponsored, world-class, able to track all of the metrics to tens of millions of dollars in in-year revenue. And by every success metric of an innovation program, we were successful. I was feeling like a failure. And the reason for that was because uh, as we created this innovation champion program, as we called it, it was like always, no matter how much we scaled up, it was always about 10% of the people who were, all of them had to raise their hand and apply who were really leaning in, who I was having to move really fast to remove the barriers for those people. And it was like the 80-20 rule. I'd spend 20% helping them and 80% trying to get this other sort of 90% of the population engaged in the same way. So I did what a lot of executives do. I hired an executive coach who's now my co-CEO, co-founder, Tracy. And interestingly, she was going through her own journey at that point, which was as a coach, she's an ethnographer researcher by background. She worked at Microsoft also doing innovation there. But when she became a coach, you're supposed to find your niche. So what is your niche? Female entrepreneurs, tech founders, like whatever it is. And as an ethnographer, she could not find sort of the definition of the people that she loved working with. So she did an ethnographic study of the people that she loved working with. She came up with six attributes, which is the foundational research to all of our work, which defines what it means to be a catalyst. And so I was at the end of her research, one of the people that she interviewed. And so she got to share with me who these people were. And I also had happened to have created an external group, a support group of people that I thought would, would be doing the same work as me. And I'd seen the same thing happen in that group. And so at the end of the conversation, I said, look, I have this group and a lot of them are catalysts. We've been thinking about doing a retreat. There's certain things that we as catalysts need to support ourselves to enable our positive change making. And I said, do you want to do that with me? And silently to herself, she's thinking, damn, that's exactly what's in the research. But she leaned in and said yes. And that was the beginning of Catalyst Constellations. Nice. I absolutely love that. And I appreciate that. So I wanted to drill down a little bit more, hear a little bit more about the work that you all do, how you serve your clients, and of course, more about your book and, and everything that we can find there. Yeah, the work that we do now, we think about it um, as providing sort of the 360 support for Catalyst. So one interesting thing about Catalyst, like one of the words that I had latched onto before Tracy's thing was intrapreneur. That was an emerging word at that time, but it didn't really describe Catalyst because Catalyst, like myself, I started this side hustle with Tracy while I was still in the corporate world. Um, but it's like we're a catalyst no matter where we go. We could be entrepreneurs. We couldn't be NGOs. We go back into the corporate world. So what we offer is a 360 support um, from a coaching and individual learning and development perspective for that individual catalyst who come to work with us. But increasingly, we're working with organizations who are starting to say, to your point, oh my God, our, our business as usual went away two years ago. We have no idea how to adapt. Who are the people in our organization that we can connect together across the different silos and connect with the transformational strategic initiatives, initiatives of large companies and activate them to make organizations more resilient. So that's what we do. And then on the side, we're committed from a public service perspective to, to grow this movement and bring catalysts together. So while we talked about working with organizations to connect the catalysts within their organization, those catalysts are usually also really excited to connect with catalysts outside of their organization. And we wrote the book basically for the personal operating manual we wished we had 20 years ago. The other thing I want to say about the book is people often ask us, are you advocating for moving fast, breaking shit and burning out? And 
patterns? The answer is no. This is our default position if we don't come in with the self-awareness, et cetera. And so just by developing some of the tools, we slow down just a little bit in order to go faster and be more successful in the end. When we break stuff, it's with intentionality and not like being the bull in the china shop and being frustrated and arrogant and pissing people off. Right. And then the burnout pieces, to your point, the connection alone is so regenerative, just that energy. It's frictionless when catalysts get together and their energy just soars. We don't say, and we are not sure that all catalysts can stop from burning out. I myself still go through those cycles and we've all been experiencing this in the last two years. But the question is, how can we minimize the amplitude and the frequency so that, and we won't often make those changes in our lifestyle that we need to make until we connect it with, and this is a terrible part because we should do it for ourselves. A burnt out catalyst creates no change at all. You, you might have already touched on this, but I wanted to ask you for what I call your secret sauce. It could be for the, from the organization, the book, yourself personally, or a combination of both. But what do you feel sets you apart and makes you unique? Yeah, and I thought about this. The, the first one, obviously, is just that I get to identify as a catalyst and own that. And so being able to help the whole world understand what that is, is unique because we didn't have the language before this to talk about it. But if you take a click down underneath that, some of the things that I was doing as a catalyst that even predated that the deep self-awareness and the authenticity that it's, I, I don't change depending that much on the environment. Um, and another click under that is I've brought mindfulness into my work for decades. And you don't need to call it mindfulness and you don't need to scare people off, but bringing that depth of experience and supporting whole people, whether it's in the work environment or at home, I love the transformation that that enables both on the individual level, the team and the organizational level. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit and I want to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be a little bit more of an app, a book, or a habit that you have, but what's something that can make you more effective and efficient? I'm going to continue with the theme of mindfulness because we bring that into everything that we do. So during work meetings, I would just start off and it was as much for me to self-regulate, because especially as a catalyst, I can move so fast. It's okay. I need to be really present um, and deeply listening to what's going on with my team around me. Uh, but then you think about in the Zoom world, it's a Zoom call after Zoom call. And it's like the gift of just starting with a couple minutes of let's just arrive, put whatever else is out, set an intention for our time together. And it's funny because I always get back these, I was so skeptical. We just had Meg Le Levy, who's a, um, she's a ordained Zen priest. And she did a talk at our Catalyst Empowerment Summit this, this week. And I had a couple people reach out. They're like, that was the session I was the most skeptical and it totally transformed my day. And so I think the more we can bring mindfulness into all the different parts of our lives, the better we can self-regulate, the better that we can connect the dots going back to the across the silos piece, the better we get to clarity and the better we bring people along. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you for what I call now a CEO nugget. So this is a little bit more of a word of wisdom or piece of advice it can be something from your book or something you would tell your favorite client or potentially if you jumped into a time machine, you might tell your younger business self. I love that you articulated all of those different ways to think about it because my answer is totally the same. And so when people ask me if there's one takeaway from the book, what would you want that to be? And for me, that's self-compassion. It's so easy as an entrepreneur and a catalyst. And because also we've gotten that feedback our whole lives, you're too fast, you're too this, you're too much, you're a disruptor, you're a troublemaker. And it's really easy to internalize those narratives. Um, also as a catalyst slash CEO, we often have these lists of things that we are holding ourselves accountable to 
that there's no humanly, heavenly way possible to get them all done. And so we'll hold ourselves accountable to these phantom goals that we, we're, not, we're not even able to track. And then we'll have this terrible talk track about how we didn't get them all done. And that can be, especially as a CEO and an entrepreneur, tied to our sense of identity and self-worth. And so I've actually gone through the mindfulness self-compassion class twice. Um, it's something that we bring into the work that we do. And I think that's the really healing part of going through this process with us. So the goal and intention of the book is, yes, here's some new tools, but don't beat yourself up for what you didn't know last time. Bring that self-compassion. And then you can also ask in a different way now for the types of support that you need. And if you can't get it, there is this sort of like elephant in the room because there's so place, so many places where it, it's almost impossible to be a successful catalyst. So then it's like, how do you find the place that's really going to serve and support your change making as well? Yeah, I, I love that. And I appreciate you breaking that down. So I want to ask you now my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're hoping to have different quote unquote CEOs on this show. So Shannon, what does being a CEO mean to you? Uh, this is a fun question. And um, Tracy and I have different versions of our CEO that we don't share publicly. But so mine is the chief vision and execution officer. Um, what that means to me is starting with the self-awareness because everything else in my mind is dependent on that. And there's a commitment to that constant. I can't help myself, but the commitment to the constant self-improvement. I think those two things as an attribute of a leader um, are foundational to creating then the high trust, high psychological safety, growth environment that organizations really need to be cultivating right now. Um, and so in that, Tracy and I have a commitment to walking the talk, being open to the feedback, soliciting it, being purpose-led, being unafraid to fail. Like we've tried a bunch of things that, you know, when you're first starting out, you throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what, see what sticks. And some of them you're really wedded to, but you just have to let them go because it wasn't in service of the community or the customers. So I think there's also just a fearlessness that has to be part of, if you can't take risks as CEO, you're not likely to maximize your impact. That makes perfect sense. Perfect. What are the six things that you talk about in your book that kind of define in our foundational elements for Catalyst? The first one is, is that we are constantly seeking and taking in new information and seeing possibilities emerge. Dot connector is one of the ways that we often describe ourselves. So we'll watch a TED talk, we'll read a McKinsey report, we'll read a business book, we'll have some conversations. And from that, we're starting to yeah connect all of those dots. And then we start to distill them into a vision. We start to see lots of possibilities. Let me see. So there may be like five different ways your organization could go. So we get that clarity from the dot connecting after we've done the seeking. And then we build division. So number three is we build this like concrete vision of what we're going to, um, you know, manifest in the world. When I say concrete, one of the big places that, that we fail as catalysts is it feels con concrete and understandable to us, but often we haven't been able to clearly explain it enough to the people that need to get on board at some point. If we just stopped there, we would call ourselves visionaries. As we move into action, because the things that we're doing are generally net new, we're very comfortable with an experimentation mindset. So scientific method, main startup, design thinking, those are all modalities that feel very comfortable to us because we move from vision, action, and iteration super fast because we're constantly testing. The last one is really more about how people describe us than how we necessarily would describe ourselves. And that is that we're comfortable with risk and ambiguity. Now, the first point that I said is we're, we have all these data sources. They may be non-traditional data sources, but for us, by the time that we got to vision, it's risky for you to not execute on this vision, right? But other people, because they don't understand that, they, it feels risky to them. And we don't have the McKinsey report justifying why we need to do that.
A final point is there is a scale of catalyticness in that risk thing. So she's a little bit more methodical in how she does it. So I go by the moniker ultra catalyst, but that's not necessarily a better or good thing. It's just what my risk profile is. Truly appreciate you for breaking that down. Of course, appreciate your time even more. What I want to do now is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best they can get a hold of you, get a copy of the book, find out about all y'all's things you and Tracy work on. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. And if you're interested in finding out more, you can download the first two chapters uh, of our book for free at catalystconstellations.com. Awesome. I'll make it even easier. We'll have the links and information in the show notes as well, too. Thank you so much for the work you do, time you spent today, and I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast, powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I Am CEO is not just a phrase. It's a community. Check out the latest and greatest apps, books, and habits to level up your business at ceohacks.co. This has been the I Am CEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.